Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Dr. Wignall. Howdy. Recently, I've had a string of clients who have um, really been impacted negatively by an event that happened in their childhood. Um, And for whatever reason, uh, a number of clients who were, let's say, wronged by a sibling in childhood. Okay. Either a few instances of it or repeated kind of issues with this sibling. But, But these people have kind of come to therapy with the idea of, I want to get past this. Mm. I don't want to, I've hated my, for example, brother since I was eight. He's always been this way up until, you know, um, and now I really want to get, I want to get over this. I don't want to hate my brother anymore. Real quick. What's an example of the type of thing the brother did? Well, just give people some context. Like, are we talking like a trauma? Yeah, it could range from like sexual abuse. Okay. That, that, you know, a 10 year old inflicted on an eight year old. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it could be, um, uh, you know, my my sister was injured in a car accident, and my parents heaped attention on her oh. after this accident because she was injured, and, gotcha. and then I was neglected, and so I'm resentful towards my parents and my brother mm-hmm. or my sister who was in. So it, there's lots of variation there, but the, the 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 one uniting thing they have is they're coming to therapy to figure out how they can move past all the resentment and hatred and anger that they, and hurt that they have, um, in these relationships. And when they say move past, I assume that's basically a metaphor for, I don't want to feel so angry toward my, or resentful toward my, exactly. Yeah. I want, and in some cases I want to reconcile and I want to have a, you know, we're, we're in our fifties now and I'm, I, you know, they want to talk and every time I go to a family reunion, they're fine. I'm seething and furious and I can't even have a conversation, you know, or, um, one, one client even brought in a book that was about this very topic, kind of, um, healing sibling wars, basically. Hmm. Um, and I can't remember, call the name of the book. Cain's legacy is what it's called actually. Yeah. Hmm. Um, kind of a play on that Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it was Cain's legacy. So it was, it was really about like, how do I forgive a sibling? How do I move past resentment mm-hmm. anger in a sibling? Hmm. Um, which is a really interesting cognitive and, or, and maybe even a behavioral process. But um, it's been interesting because uh, I've been able to do more research in this area, not a ton, but look into this. Yeah. And um, it's, an, it's an interesting body of research, I think. Have you ever had clients with this? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a fairly common issue. Yeah. It's maybe yeah. not the primary thing that brings people in, but it's something that, it's one of those things that people are like, okay, now that we've mm-hmm. got a handle on this, my panic attacks or my depression, this is this other thing that's really bothering me that clearly has some psychological component to it. Yeah. The, yeah. It does seem to, right? Like there's an emotion. Um, there's this kind of ruminative quality sometimes where I think about it a lot, what, mm-hmm. my, what my sibling did. Um, I don't want to be around them. I avoid them at all costs. So right. it seems to be a good therapeutic target. The other thing, um, the other term people bring to this question a lot, I think is forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. So they'll say, Very much. you know, I would like to be able to forgive right. my sibling for what they do or my, my spouse for cheating on me 20 years ago or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and that that's an, that's a really, that goes in hand to hand with this idea of resentment. Um, but it's, 
it's a term that's so, I think it's because it's so loaded with um, religious or moral connotations, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. It's, it's interesting to try and think about that psychologically. Like, what does that actually mean? Right. What are the mechanics? How do you actually go about forgiving someone when it's hard? That's actually one of the first cl- uh, questions I, I ask these clients, whether they use the words move through, mm-hmm. you know, get over whatever forgiveness. I, I often ask, well, what does that, what does that look like? You know, what, is that a spiritual quest you're on or is it a, um, I don't want to think about this all day long. You know, what, mm-hmm. what would that look like to you mm-hmm. if you were, if you were over it, what would that mean? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a, that's, you bring up a good point, which is there's, um, maybe slight differences in the definitions of kind of how to handle resentment, whether it's yeah. moving through, forgive all of them, I think are probably related to a very similar process, but might have slight variations to them. Yeah that that might be a little different when you ask people that question of what does that mean to you to what would that look like to forgive or or move through something do people ever have good answers to that (laughs) yeah i mean i mean i I would ask the question in a different way too i don't that's probably not a very good question but but that um, seems like part of the problem is people don't have a great idea of what that looks like like what would that actually what would that look like? Oh, yeah. Usually they have, usually they'll say something like, I'm not thinking about this every day, oh, you know, I'm, okay. or, or when I go to a family reunion, I'm able to be in the same room mm. with this person and he maybe even talk to them. Um, one was this, Hey, we've been talking on the phone, um, about actually sitting across a table from each other and having a conversation. I'm just not, you know, and, and we've planned a date. One client actually was like six months from now, I'm going to be at this place mm. and we've agreed to have a conversation. I need, I want to be ready for that conversation. Oh. You know, I don't want to have it go the way other conversations have gone. So, um, it, it was very much like, a, I want to be able to have a conversation mm-hmm. that's meaningful and, and, um, okay. So if that's what they want to be able to do, maybe it's helpful to look at the other side. What's the big obstacle when people like on a specific kind of, uh, practical level, what's the actual obstacle to being able to spend time with someone, have a meaningful relationship, have real conversation? What gets in the way for people in your experience? Uh, so, so this kind of um, resentment, we'll, we'll say what we're dealing with in general is resentment. So the emotion of resentment. Resent, well, I th- Or do I you think, think that's more of a mental cognitive pattern? I do. I, I think resentment is actually a form of rumination. It's like angry rumination. Okay. It's like... Um, I, I haven't met too many people who are resentful, but never think about, you know, that person or that thing that happened mm-hmm. to them. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. It, it right. seems to be this very, um, resentment almost seems like a verb. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, yeah. Right. It's I'm, something you do. Yeah. It's something that's being done a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one of those things where like, um, like, Oh, well I, I really hate my brother. I've always resented him. I thought of this last year. I hadn't thought of it since, you know, mm-hmm. never, you'd never hear that. But people also say, I feel resentful toward. Oh, sure. Harmony. Sure. So but it, it's, it, but it's, it's, it's probably not like, uh, um, they never think of it. I think, right. It, it's this jump. It almost requires thought a, and feeling. It almost requires rumination to continue. I would argue in a way. Ah, uh, okay. So that sounds like a transition. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, this is often, um, I mean, we definitely look at how do you reconcile what has happened and how do you do that? But how often do you think of this? And when you think of it, is it in a way that allows you to heal 
Or is it a way that actually just kind of rips stitches open constantly? Mm. I guess if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I think about it all the time, but I just can't help it. I just, every time I, you know, every time I see my brother or get an email from him or get reminded of him, I just start thinking about all the awful things he did to me. Like, what am I supposed to do? Exactly. And that, that's what kind of maintains. Yeah. And, and, and so it, it, it's that resentment kind of operates like rumination does. Because every time your mm-hmm. brother contacts you, you participate in a ruminative right. thread for three but hours. I, see, I think, I think one distinction maybe a lot of people aren't aware of is to them, it, it feels like resentment happens. happens to them. Yeah, like yeah. they just get caught up in thinking. Right. And they're, it's tricky to, to tell a, to realize, I mean, thinking is one of the thoughts are one of those strange things where they're, they're partly not in our control. Like a thought can just pop into your head, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. then they are also largely the, our ability to think and stop thinking is under our control to a good degree, but it can be, especially with really intense forms of thinking, it can be confusing. It can feel like we don't have any control over our thinking. Right. Yeah. And and I agree. I think uh, the same way. I mean, when you see, on your phone that your brother's calling mm-hmm. the first pop that pops in your, the first thought that pops in your head, you're not going to be able to control that. No, you what, didn't choose to have that. happen. What a jerk. I hate that yeah. guy. At that point though, you now have a choice. Do I engage this do you keep and elaborate going? on it? Yeah. Or do I mindfully attend to something else mm-hmm. or let this, let, let that be and move your life along. Um, but I think resentment's the same yeah. way. I think we get, we see that phone call from your brother and then you go, that mother, I hate yeah. that guy. Oh, I remember in third grade. He, and now you're elaborating. So, okay, so let's kind of recap. One of the big things that gets in the way of people moving past resentment is that the resentment itself, this kind of feeling and mental activity keeps, stay, you know, stays present all the time. So mm-hmm. it's this big blob of resentment that gets in the way. And what you're saying is it's the, it's the decision, the behavior of continuing to think about and elaborate on this person or this event that maintains that feeling, that resentment, that barrier to you guys being closer. I think it is one of the fact, a major factor, okay. a significant factor yeah. in, in maintaining. But resentment. It, it hinges on the idea that some thoughts are automatic, but most of them are under our control, right? Yes. Just because your, your default thought is that son of a, you know, right. doesn't mean there's nothing special about the first thought. It right. doesn't mean you have to keep thinking in that direction. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and that your continued thought in that direction exacerbates what you're feeling. Right. Maintains right. What Isn't you're doing feeling. you any yeah. favors. Yeah. The other parts are, 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 are interesting. I, I think anytime, um, we've been wronged, it's easy for us to say the other person must reconcile with me for mm-hmm. me to get past this, right? For me to be okay with they them. They need to initiate. Or for me to for me to have a relationship with them, they're going to have to do X, Y, and mm-hmm. Z, whatever that is. Here is a misstep because I, I feel like now you are demanding something you have no control over <laughs> <laughs> from somebody else. Set up for misery. Yeah, it's almost like the criteria for my happiness lies in your hands and you must, and, and I'm not a fan of... Why do you think that? So th- that's that's a good, this is a great example because I think it happens not only in big situations like this, like a lifetime of resentment, mm-hmm, but I think mm-hmm. this happens in ordinary. Like I think about myself when my wife and I are in a fight or something, and we're in that awkward stage where we're still upset with each other and we haven't resolved anything, and right. um, there's this pressure like they just need to like 
say sorry and they like, should they should yeah it's it's on them yeah, right they're wrong. this thing of the, mm-hmm. yeah they need to to mm-hmm. fix it or to make things better or to, one of the things that does is it keeps resentment alive because every time you bump into that person and they don't do what you think they should <laughs> it's almost like they've wronged you again again <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so now you have more fresh resentment yeah. to file away. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah, and so demanding an apology from someone seems to be another mm-hmm. good way of keeping resentment alive. Yeah. You know what? It's also a good way, though, of making ourselves feel good. Oh, yeah. Right? Self-righteousness. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's oh. a great way to avoid feeling hurt yeah. or disappointed or guilty. I'm right. They're wrong. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm superior in some way. They're Which inferior. I think is a, a common misconception, the idea that um, and we've talked about this before, but most of us think of anger as a negative emotion. Mm-hmm. But really, the experience of anger is often very empowering. Well, and maybe, you know, the rumination that comes along with resentment is also empowering. Mm-hmm. and also makes you feel righteous. Superior. And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think that's actually really important to at least explore is like what, it, yes, in general, you don't want to feel resentful at all, but is it doing something for you? Like, is it achieving yeah. something? Yeah. Because um, I think if if it is doing something for you and you're not aware of that, it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to move on if you don't have a better solution for that need to get whatever need it was. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. the The other thing that I have people do a lot with resentment is process um, in a in a healthy way, in a curious way. Again, um, maybe what was going on in that original thing right because often enough if you can really do an effective job going over and really thinking about without personalizing without being critical just being curious about the situation it doesn't cure resentment but usually it does a good job of kind of minimizing some outlandish resentment i guess um be a little more specific. It, it sounds like you're saying if, you know, if I resent my sister for getting all this attention when I was, when I was young and not depriving me of it, right. you're saying get curious about what actually happened back then. Yeah. To talk about well, what was, what was going on for you back then. It's all often easier for people to start with what they were experiencing and then to kind of move to, well, what do you think your sister was going through at this point? And, hmm. you know, to have them go, oh, well, I'm sure they were terrified that she just got in this major car accident. One leg was totally crushed. They had to do 15 surgeries, you know, and you're, and, and oftentimes they can go, oh man, that must yeah. have been awful. Or I what your parents' imagine. mindset was like yeah. after, after having yeah. that daughter, you know. And you can usually start some empathy flowing there. And even though they might still be upset, they, they have a little bit more flexibility mm-hmm. around, well, that must have been difficult, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I've counseled um, people who have been sexually abused by a sibling and Sometimes it happens when they're two years apart and they're 10 and eight. Mm. And when they start talking about it, they're like, well, this was kind of exploratory on both of our parts, you know, but I didn't, I didn't know what it was and I didn't know how to think about it. And I'm, and, 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 you know, obviously it shouldn't have happened and it's horrible feeling, Mm -hmm. but they can kind of go, well, my, my sister was 10. Yeah. She was two years older and I don't think she was trying to hurt me. Right, and, and as they elaborate, kind of on what happened, it doesn't heal the wound entirely, but it does mm-hmm. kind of give some relieve some pressure, more flexibility to yeah. like, oh yeah, you know what, this was. Now sometimes there are just outright egregious things that have been perpetrated on us, right. um, and it's a little bit harder to do that. Um, but a lot of the time, there's some flexibility mm-hmm. in there. But I, you know, I still think 
even if you <laughs> even if you don't come up with anything, I think the the act of trying to empathize is actually really useful. I, I think it's a good example of cognitive flexibility, what we call cognitive flexibility. Yeah, I think unpacking where everybody's kind of at, or even making those guesses as to what do you think so-and-so is feeling, what do you mm-hmm. think, it, it tends to just get you out of your own point of view a little bit and stretch your mind to kind of say, well, what if? Yeah. Um, now on egregious things where, where there's just an out, out and out kind of problem or, or bad behavior that occurred, um, usually you can look at how is holding on to this impacting you? How, you know, okay. are they ruminating against it or how does, how does not moving through this in an effective way impacting your life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you can move from kind of really elaborating on what they were experiencing because you don't want to put them in the minds of someone who's deliberately trying to hurt right. them, but um, to kind of look at like, wow, holding on to this does what to me? You know, how is this negatively impacting my life? Mm-hmm. How, how is it impacting my life? So there's still lots of conversations there to be had that are fruitful, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really, I had one thought back to the, the idea of empathy though, mm-hmm. um, that I, I think is really helpful because empathy is one of those, like, it's kind of a big highfalutin sounding concept and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds great, but like, how do you actually do it? Mm-hmm. So I really like that you, you let off that discussion of empathy with the idea of curiosity. Yeah. Like, I think curiosity is a great doorway into empathy. Yeah. Like what actually, let me think about this, try and think about it somewhat dispassionately as an observer and just try and be curious about trying to understand yeah. not, not the, the right and wrong thing. Cause God knows you've been over that plenty. Right. But almost like the mechanics of it. Yeah. Like, I like the would, word curious cause it does strip any affect away from the, the, yeah. the operation. It's just more inquisitive now, not, right. not moralistic, not judgmental, mm-hmm. not good, bad, not evil, good, you know, it's just curious. Yeah. How have you coached through people forgiving others or getting through resentment? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say forgiveness is one of my specialties <laughs> as a therapist. Um, For, forgiveness can, I mean, it does have religious connotations, but I, I've had a lot of people use forgiveness just as how do I yeah, get know, through this and forgive. Yeah, yeah, me, it doesn't have anything to do with God, just me, how do I forgive? Right. Yeah. Well, it's, okay, so again, to kind of recap, I think some of the things we've talked about are, are great. So first, really picturing and trying to, in detail, imagine, well, how do I actually want this to be? How do I want this relationship to be? You got to have a clear idea of where you're going um, if you're going to get there. So I think that's really important, like behaviorally, like what do I want to be doing with this person? Mentally, like how do I want to be thinking when I'm around this person, right? Um, so that's re- that's really crucial. The, the kind of cognitive part of seeing how, um, you know, elaborating on some hurt, you feel justified in it, right? It's, it's maybe right, but how helpful is it to you, right? So using that kind of pragmatic lens. Um, so that's a really useful conversation in, you know, just purely selfishly, how, how helpful is thinking about this to you? Um, and that dovetails with the conversation of what are you getting out of this, right? Maybe this, you know, you were really, really hurt by this person. And so early on in, in a state of helplessness and hurt, you developed this habit of elaborating on that hurt because it, in some ways it actually makes you feel superior and powerful or protected. Yeah. Which is totally understandable, mm-hmm. especially at that time, but it may not be overall in your long-term best interest now. Right. That you're 50. Right. Right. Um, so that getting at the function 
the, the functions of resentment and kind of the, the rumination on that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that one's important. Um, again, I'm just kind of reviewing where we've been, but I sure. think that's, it's a complicated topic. Um, and then empathy. And I actually don't often use the term empathy because, again, I think it's kind of a weird, loaded, too abstract of mm-hmm. a term. But mm-hmm. I use words like curiosity or exploration or mechanics, like just trying to understand, you know, kind of what was going on and, mm-hmm. um, and really, yeah, get out of that judgmental, moralistic, not because it's wrong or bad, but just because that's what you've been doing and it's not really helping. So <laughs> let's try something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I think all of those are, yeah, are, are really, really useful. Um, the last thing is um, that we haven't talked about is behaviorally getting people to do different things or test out different situations or contexts. So for instance, a, a really common one is you have a, this sort of estranged sibling who you're resentful toward, for instance, and you see him at family gatherings, holidays and birthday parties and graduations and stuff like that. Um, and it's just, you feel awful when you're around him and you just, you want to feel better. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've often found though with people is like, it, yes, the resentment is part of what's getting in the way of you having a meaningful conversation with your this brother, but the only times you're trying to do it are at Christmas and Easter and a 4th of July barbecue when there's a million other people around who all know about your issues with your brother. And that's like an awkward <laughs> pressure cooker of a situation mm-hmm. to try and reconcile. Reconcile, yeah. <laughs> but that's a lot of people are that because that's the only place they've tried to interact with this person, their, their ideas of moving on are limited to that context. So what would it look like if you kind of brainstormed a little bit about how could I try and interact with or do something differently with this person? Mm -hmm. Like, what if I, what if I just, you know, eventually I'd like to have meaningful conversations with my sister again, but what if we just started with texting about the Kardashians, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. something really like something small, something kind of easy and innocuous. Right. And then, just explore and kind of like maybe start to build up from there. But right. don't, even though your goal is I want to have, you know, deep emotional conversations about the meaning of life, you don't have to start right there. Yeah, that's like, a, that's that's a, a tough, tough pressure burden. cooker to start in. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, it's like, let's go to the Super Bowl right, right. away. You have no relationship with this person. Like, yeah. you, you don't just like, in any kind of relationship, you, you don't start in sixth gear. You know, you kind of, you slowly kind of work up. And so right. I, I think... Yeah, thinking through that with clients is often helpful, I've found. Yeah, that's a really good point. Also, it seems like um, I've, I've helped clients with this um, when there's perseveration around a future um, option. For, for example, I had a client who was kidnapped by their father when they were very young. Wow. And it was a brutal, scary, terrifying ordeal that ended up in dad going to prison for a long time mm. blah, blah blah and so th- this this client had always just kind of said i don't want anything to do with them and and that was the boundary well it, when this client got married and was um expecting a child there was all of a sudden this idea like well maybe i should forgive my father and they mm. were getting family pressure to say yeah maybe you should forgive your dad it's been 30 years you know maybe you could look and now there was all of a sudden this perseveration around do I forgive him? Should I not? Can I keep mm. my old? And that seemed to bring up a lot of 
the resentment kind of rumination activity, right? Because mm-hmm. now you're thinking a lot about this person and mm-hmm. you're cueing rumination all over the place. Um, but, but yeah, sometimes there's a boundary put in place and then something happens to disrupt that and you're now resentful again, right? The, the oh, rumination has started because of the, the boundary down. switcher, hmm. because of the possibility that, a, that something might change. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think the same... Um, kind of insights hold that the, the rumination, you want to watch that, um, build empathy if possible, um, or look directly at how it's impacting your own life. And Yeah. Um, yeah. All of which I think all those, those kind of strategies we've talked about, we've sort of talked about them in the context of bigger, kind of more epic forms of resentment. But right. I, I think oh. they work just as well with the tiniest little Yeah, we collect minor. resentments for all sorts oh, of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's almost the small ones that are harder because they don't seem big enough to warrant a whole, like, I need a new strategy for my resentment, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're just, we just kind of get used to them and absorb them. Um, yeah. but to, you know, I think that's worth thinking about even, even the little ones. Um, can I, what's going on here? Can I think a little differently about this? What, you know, what's this, what am I getting out of this? What, um, yeah. and in some ways they're, because they're lower stakes, they're a little easier to kind of practice on, I think. Yeah. You know, one sentiment that I that I agree with from a lot of, I mean, if you look at historical leaders who have really dealt with resentment, let's say Gandhi or Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. you know, individuals who had every right and access right. to tons of resentment, <laughs> right. but chose a different kind of thing. Um, they all kind of have a, a similar response about resentment, which is, um, and I'm, I'm, of course, paraphrasing from great people, but the idea of like, this is hurting you more than it's hurting them. Mm-hmm. Like you holding on to this isn't impacting them, them very much at all where it's really impacting you. Yeah. And I think to approach resentment with that in mind, that, that having resentment isn't real healthy for you. That there are other ways um, to deal with those things that are, that are probably psychologically more healthy than resentment. Mm-hmm. And so um, for anybody dealing with resentment, to kind of keep that in mind that um, you might want to do something about that because it's probably more brutal for you than it is for anybody else. To quote another great man, the great Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, that, that's a good adage too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a little, I'm going to apologize for my colleague that he threw that name out there in the midst of <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. And actually, I don't mind Dr. Gandhi. Phil. Have you listened to Dr. Phil very much? Not, no, that, that's like the only time I ever think about He actually has a saying. podcast that's pretty interesting. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah, he, he actually does. Um, and I, I, I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah. He seems, he seems to be a pretty decent dude, you know? Kind of pragmatic and... Very, very pragmatic, but definitely knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Definitely has a good degree of, yeah. I mean, I don't want to give him a commercial here because I don't know much about him, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode of What My, My Shrink Says is sponsored by the Dr. Phil Dr. Show. Phil's does show. he have a show anymore? I think he does. Still? Yeah. I think he still does that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. His podcast is interesting because he gets, you know, like he had Tony, Tony Romo on there. and Oh, interesting. Was like really hmm. asking him like, you know, you seem obsessed about a lot of things, you know, and Tony Romo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kind of an, it was an interesting podcast. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Cool. Hey everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. 
please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.